Hello, and welcome to Foul Puck, a podcast about sports ball for the rest of us. Unlike other sports ball podcasts, we talk about sports without assuming you out there in listener land know everything there is to know about cross-blocking and the Super G. Uh, Today we're continuing our series on the Winter Olympics with alpine skiing, uh, which Rachel has decided to become an expert in just (laughs) for this podcast. I'm assuming you have no... Pretty sure I saw cross blocking in the Super G at like a music festival in San Francisco a few years ago. <laughs> the regulars at Coachella, yep. probably. Yeah. So Rachel, yes, are you an alpine skier or are you just here for fun? <laughs> I am. I have done the alpine skiing, not in any kind of competitive fashion, not in any kind of graceful fashion, but I have in fact scrapped, strapped skis to my feet and gone down a mountain. So I have nice. a, a very small, uh, you know, bit of experience with this. Um, so there are actually four uh, skiing events at the Winter Olympics these days. Alpine, cross-country, ski jumping, and, cr- and freestyle skiing. Today I'm going to tell you about alpine skiing. Uh, now, alpine skiing is, when it's done recreationally, it's usually called downhill skiing, at least in the mm-hmm. U.S., Mm-hmm. Uh, so these are all your start at the top of the hill, get to the bottom of the hill, more or less in as fast piece. as you can do it without going off the course. And, or dying. Yeah, don't do that either. Uh, so it was the first competed at the Olympics in 1936. Um, and then they took some years off. And then 1948, it, oh, oh, right, because 40 and 44, <laughs> they took that break for World War II. Yeah. <laughs> Gotten off to a good start here. All right. (laughs) But it was not one of the original uh, Olympic events, which I thought was really interesting. Because I think of it as kind of a classic winter sport. Anyway. um, So it's a very physically demanding sport. All of its uh, sub-events. And I thought this was really interesting. Out of all the disciplines, only five athletes, uh, men or women, have ever won gold to two Olympics in a row. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of new faces every time in the sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's 11 events within the discipline at the Modern Olympics, five each for men and women. There's the downhill, the slalom, the giant slalom, the super G, and the combined, plus one mixed team event that started in 2018. Mm. Okay. I'm loving all so, these mixed team events. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's And this one especially is seems pretty fun, and I'll get to it toward the end. So the major events uh, you need to know are downhill, slalom, giant slalom, and super G. Because the combined is one run of downhill, one run of slalom. Mm. So these are a little bit confusing, and they're not very imaginatively named. So you can get confused. It's kind of helpful to think of them kind of on a spectrum from sheer speed to, like, technical skill and turning ability. So downhill is on the, the... end of the spectrum that's just you know mostly speed fast yes fast and then slalom is the the other end where you're still you're still timed but it's um the 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 turns are tighter they're harder to get around there it's the more technical um so when you hear more technical events that's slalom and giant slalom and then the more speed are downhill and super g which stands for super giant slalom again not a real imaginative <laughs> name. That's not helpful at all. Nope. Um, no, because so runs... you would think that those were then the, the opposites. Yeah. Yep. But no, I... But the, they're not. So, so when you go from downhill 
to slalom. The courses get shorter and um, the the space between the poles, the gates, they're also called, gets shorter. Nancy, yes? So I thought, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I thought slalom skiing was the one with like all the flags where you're supposed to either hit the flags or not hit the flags. I don't remember which. <laughs> yeah, so those are called gates. Okay. Um, and they, they all have gates. Oh, okay. Um, but... Slalom, they're most they're most visible. Downhill, you almost don't see them because the mm-hmm. course is very long. Everybody's moving very fast, mm-hmm. and the the gates are more there to um to kind of direct the skiers. Course, yes. Okay, um, I do remember seeing those. Now that you mention it, they're like fairly far apart. And yes, they're on either side yeah. of the track, and they get and they get closer together as you go from downhill to super G to giant okay. slalom to slalom. Okay. Yes. Um. So starting with downhill, which I have subtitled Gravity Take the Wheel. <laughs> um, so if you're a recreational skier, you probably, you may hit about 50 miles an hour. Um, but in this sport, at this level, you're talking speeds up to like 81 miles an hour common. Up to 100 miles an hour has been clocked at times. <sighs> so the yeah. downhill event is one single run down this slope, which usually takes about a minute and a half to two and a half minutes at the international level. Which is a really long time to stay crouched like that. Yeah, it is. My knees mm-hmm. are um, just thinking about it. And despite the length of the course, competitors may be separated by thousandths of a second. Um, these are the insane. longest runs in alpine skiing. The course uh, is defined by natural terrain. And all of these, these skiing courses are defined by the mountains that they're on. So they're mm-hmm. all slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um However, there are certain, you know, World Cup events tend to be held at same places from time to time. So some runs are more familiar to people who've been on the international Mm -hmm. circuit than others. Uh, Mm -hmm. Beijing should be interesting because um, these runs will probably not be familiar to a lot of these skiers. They're building new ones. Uh, I don't know if they're brand new, but I guess Beijing isn't, doesn't usually host world cup events. I would imagine they're probably hosted in Europe a lot of the time. Mm, Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're at this, for downhill skiers do get a few pla- practice runs. Um, so yeah, the- actually, I was noticing that they're um, on the television schedule. They actually are televising some of the practice runs for a lot of events. Okay, mm-hmm. so skis for downhill are up to like thirty percent longer because it gives you greater stability and speed. Um, the poles are usually bent. So instead of just straight ahead, they're usually bent and held so that they bend in toward the body to minimize wind mm-hmm. resistance. Body position, obviously, crouching down for better aerodynamics. Um, you will see safety netting and padding on risky areas of the course, so turns That's and new, corners though, and isn't such. It? Didn't um, they it, introduce that like relatively recently? Uh, yeah, I didn't find a date, but I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but it's still risky. It seemed to me that somebody seems to die in major international competition about once every five years or so, mm-hmm. which doesn't seem great. No, it does not. Yeah. Okay, but that's downhill. Uh, one run, fast as you can go. All right, now let's go to Super G, the Super Giant Solemn, which is still a speed event, but it introduces a little more precision turning. Um, so the gates or the poles are a little closer together. Um, the interesting thing about this one is uh, skiers will have never skied this course before. Mm. Um, they have 90 minutes to inspect it. Um, they, <laughs> they, yeah, I'm not sure how they do it. Like if they, with what? Binoculars? If they literally <laughs> walk up and down or if there's a, you know, a, a, 
snowmobile that you know drives them <laughs> to the side of the course. I wanted uh-huh. to say sled, but it clearly wasn't a sled. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how they do it, and I would assume that they ski the same course in you know semifinals and finals. I don't mm-hmm. think they you know come up with a brand new one every time. Um, they may change the gates though. I I didn't look mm. into that. They may change that up a little bit. But um, I can see. I mean, we talked about that a little bit when we were talking about climbing in the Summer Olympics because some of those routes mm-hmm. they people didn't know in advance, and so mm-hmm. everybody kind of stands out there for a minute or two before you run Staring to take a look at, at it. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's to even the playing field. So even if people are seeing it for the first time in practice runs. They're all still seeing it for the first time together. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so uh, Giant Slalom uh, is the next. Well, gates a little bit closer together. Um, each heat is two runs with the times added together, so your best times. Um, and I don't think I've said it before, but you have to weave in between the gates um, and I'll talk about this a little bit more with Solemn, but if you fail to go around the gate in the mm-hmm. right way, there's On a time right penalty. Yeah. That's what I was remembering. Okay. Yes. Okay. And it's both both uh skis have to go around it yes. on the correct side. You can't you can't straddle the gate. Correct. Yes. Boots and skis have to go around in the right direction, but the upper body doesn't. Right. So the poles actually used to be bamboo shoot stuck in the ground obviously you can't really go through that super well um nowadays they are plastic poles that are hinged at the bottom so that allows for uh, faster speeds and you know a lot of times you'll see their their upper body is clearly on the other side of the pole Mm -hmm. um and in fact in the slalom especially when they're the turns are so tight they almost Mm -hmm. keep their upper body in the same position and then move their their skis out and around it so skiers must weave back and forth between a series of alternating red and blue poles. Uh, most skiers use a technique, especially in the the um, solemn where their turns are so tight, called cross blocking, which involves knocking down the pole with your arms, uh, your hands, or your shins, or the poles. I keep using the word poles. It's it's the really gates. a gate. Yeah, the poles. Skiers hold the poles in their hands um, in order to both for balance and in these events to help knock down the gate to allow them to take a straighter line and go faster. All right, so the combined event combines one run of downhill, which is the most speed-oriented, and two runs of slalom, which is the most technical-oriented. So the winner of the combined is thought to be kind of the best all-around skier. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you do have skiers. I don't know how many compete in, you know, all five events. Usually Mm -hmm. it's like... They do downhill and super G or solemn and giant solemn or combined. Um, but I'm not sure. I didn't run across any who kind of do all five. Um, interestingly. exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, really? Yeah. And there's, you know, they kind of do almost like all the men's super G one day, all the women's super G the next day, all the men, you know, so you'd just mm-hmm. be Give going on break. alternate days and you'd be exhausted. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly for the combined, uh, they use different courses from those running the downhill and solemn uh, single events. Um, if you don't finish the downhill run, which is run first, and that can happen because if you go off course, if you miss a turn, if you right. hit an icy patch, 
you could, mm-hmm. you know, go clear off the course and hopefully you won't get injured. But if you don't complete the downhill run, you can't mm-hmm. then go on to compete in the slalom as well. Um, also, this the combined is currently only competed internationally at the Olympics. It's been um, recently removed from the World Cup competition. I didn't really see why, but... Hmm. Okay, so to the mixed team parallel slalom. Now, this is something that debuted debuted in 2018. Um, I don't remember watching it because it sounds like I would remember. So it's four skiers per team, two men and two women, one from each team. They go at the same time on two identical courses that are right next to each other. Oh, wow. So you can literally see who's winning, yeah. Wow, jeez. Oh, wow. Yeah, I feel like I would have watched that. Right? Yeah, yeah, so um, this is going to be toward the end of the Olympics. It's February 19th, but I'm I'm putting it on my calendar because I really do want to watch this. So um, they, you know, skiers go head-to-head, um, each of the four, one at a time. I would assume the men compete against the men and women against the women. Um, you're looking for the best of four points. Each uh, win gets you four point, one point, so you want, um, you know, to have three or four. But uh, if there's a tie, two and two, the uh, tie is broken by the total time you've taken, all four of your your, uh, team members. So unsurprisingly, in general, in all the alpine skiing events, Austria is very clearly in first place. (laughs) Um, And Switzerland could have been like Switzerland. Yeah, Switzerland's up there too. And Uh uh, but U.S. is in a distant third in golds and fourth in overall medals because France is right there close behind. Um, in 2014, the U.S. team set two age-based records. Oldest medalist in alpine skiing was uh, Bodie Miller, uh, at 36 years old, won a bronze. And the youngest ever gold medalist in slalom was Michaela Schifrin, who was 18 hmm. and also won the silver in the combined event. Wow. Okay, so some athletes to watch in 2022. Um, Michaela Schifrin is back for her third Winter Olympics. Um, she is once again a favorite to win. She's fresh off her 70th World Cup win. Wow. Oh my God. Seven um, zero. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she's the gold medal favorite in both slalom and giant slalom. So she's more of a technical skier, but um, mm-hmm. she's also could also do very well in the combined event too. Mm. Right. Cause two of those are slalom events as opposed to the one downhill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, for the men, American Ryan Cochran Siegel is, they, they said worded very carefully, the U S men's best chance at an Alpine medal I'm not sure <laughs> how that compares when you factor in other countries, mm-hmm. but yeah. uh, that's what they said. And he's uh, the son of Barbara Ann Cochran, who was a gold winner in slalom in 1972. Oh, fun. Oh. And there's also... Uh, no a, pressure, kiddo. <laughs> yeah, really. A younger guy named River Radamus, who has won a bunch of junior championships in giant slalom, so he could be the young upset. Mm-hmm. And we will have alpine skiing events throughout the winter olympics so you can catch whichever ones you like yeah like i said i was looking at the schedule earlier today and their alpine skiing and uh curling i want to say start mm. before the olympics with their like prelims and practices and stuff like that and it looks mm-hmm. like a lot of that's going to be televised which is going to be pretty cool yeah well thank you rachel nancy did you, did you have any follow-up questions before we wrap this one up uh no i don't think so i mean it's skiing is one of those things where like I it, it's somewhat like tennis, though not quite as bad. I have watched it when it was on, but never felt like I really understood what was going on other than mm. fastest wins, which is generally true, you know? Mm-hmm. So so this is interesting. I'll try and catch yeah. some more skiing and pay a little closer attention this time around. Yeah, I appreciate knowing the difference between the 
the different types. Like, I never yeah. understood the difference between Super G and Giant Slalom. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure. I totally understand it now, but <laughs> I... I <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd watched most of these events, but I never, you know, bothered to look it up. But I think yeah. we discovered mm-hmm. that I like a wee, a wee bit of mystery in my sports. But uh, yeah. it was good to know. It was good to know the actual differences between these. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for telling us about that. Um, and if anybody has any questions for Rachel, you can reach her at Foul Puck Podcast on Instagram or at Foul Puck Pod on Twitter. Um, we're also on the internets at... Uh, foulpuckpodcast.net and I would like to thank Joe for making sense of this by doing <laughs> our editing and uh, Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com for our music and I would like to encourage everybody who is listening to check out our other episodes we have a whole backlog of 50 plus episodes that you can check out including a whole bunch of minisodes for the summer Olympics uh, and to then tell folks about it uh, rate and review us on your podcasting listening device of choice and tell your friends tell your neighbors tell the sports enthusiast you know best to check us out and we will catch you next time on foul puck <laughs>